I've told this story many times, and without exception, it has provoked the same reaction. Disbelief. No matter how difficult it is for people to process, and no matter how many conventional explanations have been offered, this did happen, and it's an experience I'll never forget. It started with a friend of mine, Stuart, who had always been interested in the supernatural. I, on the other hand, had no more interest in it than the next person. Of course, I'm curious about whether there is life after death, and for selfish reasons, but I prefer to leave these things to themselves, as I find the entire subject morbid. I'm sure I'll learn the truth in the end, but until that day, I'd rather not ask the question for fear of the answer either way. Stuart was captivated by the paranormal. He lived and breathed it, but our friendship had developed through another of his passions, film. And although he often asked me to go on one of his investigations, I always replied that I preferred such things to remain on the cinema screen and to stay there. We'd go for a few beers regularly at Farland's Bar on the Main Street or catch a film at the local cinema with some mutual friends. And then suddenly, I didn't see or hear from him for a couple of weeks, which was peculiar, but... I assumed he was simply busy, and so I left it at that. It was 3.04 a.m. when he called. I was angry at first that he'd woken me up, but when I heard the sound of his voice, anger quickly bled into concern. Stuart was always such an upbeat guy, but that night his voice sounded distant, and there was a new uncertainty. I'd never sensed before, which quivered underneath each word, unsettling me. I need you to come and get me, he said in a low whisper. What's wrong? Where are you? I asked. I can't talk for long. Just come to the old botanical gardens at the edge of town. His breath became increasingly labored and agitated as he spoke. Stuart, if you're in trouble, call the police. No, he exclaimed in a unique mix of a whisper and a shout. I'm not meant to be here. They'll arrest me. Just come to the botanical gardens and send me a text when you're waiting outside. I have to go. And with that, he hung up. Ten minutes later, I was in my car and driving to the edge of Windham Town. It was an autumn night, as I passed landmarks which were usually familiar to me, each twisted tree branch and leaf-covered garden took on a more threatening nature than I was used to, the night revealing an unapparent side of the town that I loved. It seemed strange to me that Stuart would be in the botanical gardens at night. He quite regularly went away on nocturnal investigations of abandoned hospitals and other supposedly haunted locations, but that place didn't seem like an obvious choice for such things. In the past, the gardens housed beautiful exotic trees, plants, and wildlife under a massive greenhouse which must have been over 200 feet in length, but it had been shut down for a few decades. I guess the townsfolk didn't frequent it often enough to keep it afloat. Even when I was a kid, it was just fodder for a rock or two, shattering many of its countless panes of glass, each held in place by a rusted frame. 
although admittedly my throw fell short more often than not. I know my dad talked about going there when he was a kid, amazed by the place, a self-contained tropical landscape even during Wyndham's bleakest winters. I pulled up in front of a large metal fence. It had been erected years previous, encircling what was left of the botanical gardens and its grounds, no doubt to dissuade new generations of rock throwers. On its gate hung a mud-smeared sign displaying the words, No Trespassing, in no uncertain terms. Stuart obviously hadn't bothered with the warning, no doubt more interested on catching a glimpse of something otherworldly inside. I left the engine running as it was a little cold out, but... Just as I unlocked my phone, I received a text message. Kill your lights. And so I did. Then another message quickly followed. Don't call me, whatever you do. I began to develop the distinct impression that Stuart and I were not the only ones present out there in the night. My nervousness crept into my breath, and as I sat there looking into the darkness of the gardens, partially obscured by a web of fencing, I felt as though something was staring back. For a moment, I was unsure how to proceed, but was then startled by another text message and frightened by the thought that Stuart was in there somewhere and about to be grabbed by a burly security guard, a local gang, or worse. I adhered to his instructions. Follow my light and get me the hell out of here. And there it was. Stuart's torch flickering for a brief moment before being engulfed in the darkness once more. I opened the car door, the night uncontrollably cold as it washed over me. Just thirty minutes later, I had been cozy, sleeping in my bed, and now this, climbing over a fence and walking to God knows what. The fence rattled as I pulled myself up, and as I reached the top, I looked across the pitch night and seriously considered going any further. Then Stuart's torchlight flashed again, and I knew I couldn't leave him. Possibly injured or trapped with the chilled October air threatening worse. I jumped down from the fence as quietly as I could, my feet muffled by the whispering grass below. The ground was wet, and the unattended grass and bushes which surrounded the main building made progress difficult. The light flashed again. Three times, in fact, before Stuart turned it off once more. I was sure now that he was growing more agitated, and so I continued in the direction of the once glass building to reach my friend as quickly as possible. But my footsteps were uncertain, and my eyes struggled to pierce the dark. I took out my phone and used the LED light on its back to see where I was going. As I walked toward the large, shadowed outline of the garden building, I grew increasingly apprehensive. There were only three possible reasons why Stuart turned on his torch intermittently. One was that it had broken somehow. Perhaps he could only get it to flicker into life every few minutes. Another explanation would be that the battery was low. Perhaps he was lost and switched it off to conserve what little juice it had left. The last explanation was much less appealing. I switched off my light at the thought of it. 
Perhaps he didn't want to draw too much attention to his location. Maybe he was frightened that someone else would find him first. The darkness stood before me, a wall of black which blanketed it all. It was hopeless. I was going to have to switch the light on to see where I was going. I remember when I was 14 and had nearly fallen down an old drainage shaft when I was camping at night with friends. I always shuddered thinking about that, about how bad that fall could have been. I needed to see where I was going. If a security guard came and found me, then that was better than falling into the darkness somewhere unseen. And yet, the thought of a night guard seemed far-fetched. The old building had been derelict for years, and it seemed unlikely that the town would waste money on wages for someone to patrol an area at night. Finally, I reached the building. Its base made of red brick, which had held up surprisingly well for all its years of neglect. The same cannot be said of the frame. Large metal struts reached up to the sky, forming a huge domed roof. I could see pieces of the frame lying on the floor, and in the dim light of my phone, I thought I saw strands of it hanging from the roof, just waiting to break off and impale any unwelcome trespassers. I cringed at the thought of my friend lying somewhere inside, perhaps impaled or trapped by falling metal and masonry. Stewart's light flickered again, and then disappeared. It was indeed coming from inside. And as I ducked under and then through one of the countless empty metal frames, I realized that he was somewhere in the middle of the building. Despite having no solid walls, there was an echo of sorts to the place. Subtle, my footsteps ricocheting gently off the concrete floor and then filtering out into the bleakness of the night. That was when I first noticed it. The cold. Sure. It was always cold in October, but as I slowly proceeded, shards of broken glass cracking occasionally under my weight, a chill in the air grew more pronounced. It bit at my exposed face, and I was convinced that if I looked in a mirror, my nose would have been bright red. There, Stuart's light. It was closer now, and for the first time I saw the light reflect upward for a moment and illuminate Stuart's outline. As I drew nearer, the night closed in and the cold was now becoming almost unbearable. My hands ached from the bones outward and the air froze my insides with each breath. I was now only a few meters away from the center of that old glassless dome and my friend. The light flickered again. But it seemed obscured somehow, as if Stuart had turned his back to me, the light from his torch bathing him in illumination for only the briefest of seconds. Stuart, it's Mike. You okay? I said softly. Yes. Let's get the hell out of here, he replied nervously. And then, a new noise joined us. Just as I opened my mouth to whisper across to Stuart and ask him if he was hurt, the sound of broken glass breaking under weight echoed from behind. It came from somewhere behind us, and it was subtle at first, but there was no doubt. I could hear movement. Yes, footsteps, more pronounced. They were moving toward us. Then they stopped. 
could hear was my heart thumping, the adrenaline of her apprehension coursing through my veins. Quickly, I switched off the light from my phone, hoping to obscure our location. Someone else is here, I said. I know, whispered Stuart. They've been wandering around me for hours. Then the footsteps moved again, this time circling, prowling under cover of the night. I knew then why Stuart had called me. Someone was taunting him. They'd been in that broken glass dome all along, terrifying my friend and me in the process. No doubt he'd been terrified. But now there were two of us, and whoever was circling, they were surely but one. I decided we would act, pick a direction and stick to it. I moved close to my friend and whispered. Follow me. Sure. That word still haunts me. The light from Stuart's torch came on once more, but you see, it wasn't a torch. And whoever was standing right in front of was not my friend Stuart. A strange light emanated from inside the throat of what I can only describe as the figure of a woman. The light bled out through translucent skin which seemed to take on the appearance of night and the light forced its way up and out of her gaping mouth. At that moment, Stuart appeared from the darkness, grabbed my arm, and before I knew it, we were running. Our feet scrambled over broken glass, pummeling it further into smaller shards. I looked over my shoulder at the hard figure, light source and all, was chasing us. The light from her throat and mouth seemed to pulse with intermittent fury, and as we reached the metal frame of the building, she screamed words of hate and anguish, a rasping anger filled with nothing but contempt for the living. Before I knew it, We'd escaped the gardens, that screeching creature seemingly constrained to the boundaries of that derelict building. We reached the fence, and then the car, and then home, where I fixed both Stuart and myself a large whiskey as we tried to calm our nerves. As it turned out, Stuart had been on one of his investigations, as I thought. He'd heard stories of strange lights coming from the old botanical gardens building at night and thought he would check it out. He got more than he bargained for, that's for sure. At first, the old building seemed empty, but as the night drew on, he felt as though he was being watched. Suddenly, the batteries in his torch drained. The spare batteries he always carried with him were equally unresponsive, and so he was left in darkness alone. It was then that he heard the footsteps and a woman's voice who simply kept saying, I know you're here. I know you're watching me. To Stuart, it sounded like she was pacing up and down, occasionally standing over him as he hit on the floor. God knows what would have happened if she'd found him. I'm sure you've realized by now that Stuart claims he never called me on his phone or sent any text messages. Indeed, he dropped into the darkness and still hasn't found it at this day. We talk about that night occasionally, and Stuart hasn't been on investigation since. He lost his stomach for it, and who can blame him? My unease with the memory of that night, however, doesn't 
revolve around the fear of meeting some spectral creature in the night. I intended to stay as far away from any haunted place as I can. It's more of a fear which grabs me occasionally when I really think about what that night meant. If that horrid apparition is in any way what happens to us when we die, that we're filled with such hatred for the living, I'd prefer to believe that there is no life after death. For what we encountered that night was a twisted reflection of all that is good in each of us. And if no good can remain, I'd rather not exist at all. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was just past midnight. I'd been driving for a very long time. The stretch of road cutting through the desert landscape was seemingly endless and completely void of life. There weren't even cacti on the side of the road where I expected them. Then again, it wasn't exactly bright enough for me to see very far. Without any differentiation on almost a perfectly straight route, I found myself dozing off periodically. The only thing keeping me from falling asleep was an overwhelming sense of terror. I was being chased. Chased by... something. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was gaining on me and I had to get away, but sleep deprivation outweighed my fear. I could feel myself losing the battle. It was at this point that I woke up, drenched in a fear-induced sweat. My anxious and soaked state was caused by a nightmare. It was the same nightmare I'd been experiencing for weeks. None of it made any sense. I'd never even seen a desert, much less driven through one. I lived near the beach for crying out loud. I spoke to my physician about my state of affairs, but he blamed it on an overabundance of stress. He told me to relax, take a few sick days off work. Work, however, was the only thing keeping me awake. I found myself nodding off at odd times during the day, sometimes even while driving to home from my workplace. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, seeing as I was always well rested. Despite my troubling dreams, I still managed to get at least eight hours of sleep each night. My doctor didn't shed any light on this either, simply telling me to take some caffeine pills during the day to keep from drifting off at the wheel. It would seem the situation was my burden to bear and mine alone. After another long day of work, I ventured home to inevitably get some shut-eye. 
before finishing my commute, I unsurprisingly found my eyelids growing heavy. I tried to keep my thoughts on the road, but my mind yearned for sleep, begging me to close my eyes and drift off. I wanted to pull over, but before the wheel could be turned, sleep took hold. These were anything but ideal circumstances. In a seamless fashion, I went from driving home to riding along that empty stretch of road in my nightmare. Its usual pattern was broken up with a pair of lights off in the distance. I could barely see them, but they were definitely there. This had never happened before. I was still being chased, but something was off. I kept driving nonetheless. After a long monotony of driving through unchanging landscape, the lights came into focus. They were headlights, belonging to a truck driving in the opposite direction toward me. As it drew closer, a loud horn let out. The sound grew louder until, finally, I awoke from my untimely slumber. Without even a proper moment's notice to react, I viciously cut the wheel, swerving to avoid oncoming traffic. My car had wandered onto the wrong side of the road while I was asleep. Upon narrowly escaping disaster, my eyes cautiously looked back to see if there was now a pile-up in the middle of the highway. To my relief, there was not. Even so, I was lucky to be alive. This is when I took notice to my whereabouts. It was almost the exact same spot that I'd been before becoming unconscious. My dream may have felt longer, but in actuality, it only lasted an instant. Thank goodness for that, otherwise I would have been a goner. With my newfound understanding, I drove the rest of the way home, successfully avoiding sleep's unrelenting grasp. After getting undressed and putting my things away, I let my body fall into the bed, completely missing the pillow. Still, I fell asleep almost instantly. My dream recommenced as I found myself driving down that same desert road. The lights were back off in the distance. I again felt the fear instilled in my racing heart, knowing that something was out there chasing me. After roughly ten minutes of driving, the headlights came into view, revealing the same truck. This was then followed by the sound of a car honking its horn. I then woke up from the nightmare. Upon waking, I found myself driving into oncoming traffic. I swerved, mimicking my motions from earlier in the day. After doing so, the confusion set in. What was going on? Where was I? After looking around and getting my bearings, I knew exactly where I was. Back on the highway, driving past the same cars I encountered on my way home. My next thought was to check the time. No, 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 this couldn't be. It was roughly the time I almost crashed. How? Was I still dreaming when I woke the first time? I couldn't be sure. Instead of dwelling, albeit frazzled, I drove home and went to bed, hoping to forget the whole ordeal. The next dream housed the very same desert and road that I had grown accustomed to. Sure enough, off in the distance were the mysterious headlights. 
I drove onward, giving into my dream's lackluster narrative. And though fearful, I was curious as to what would happen upon reaching the truck. Would I wake in the comfort of my bed or on the brink of destruction on the highway? As it came closer, I heard the usual honking sound and woke up. What I woke to was anything but alleviating. I swerved again, almost hitting the same car for a third time in the row. This couldn't be happening. There was no way this was a dream. Even as weary as my brain was, I could tell the difference between fantasy and waking life. I was stuck in a time loop, unable to escape from a constant cycle of the day's events. But how could I break free? If I sought help, no one would believe me. Even if I had someone in mind, my eyes wouldn't stay open long enough for me to reach them. I drove to the safety of my home, managing to elude the clutches of sleep along the way. It was easier this time, anxiety keeping me alert but frightened. If only I could stay awake long enough to figure everything out. After undressing and putting my things away, I walked over to my bed, knowing I had no choice but to give in. Right as my head hit the soft blankets, I slept once again. Just as before, I was driving down that same desert road, staring off at those ominous headlights in the distance. This was completely mad. How much longer could I endure this torment? In a fit of rage, I hit the brakes and the car stopped. I would never done this before scared that whatever was behind me would catch up. I didn't even know if this would work. Even stranger, once I stopped, the feeling of being chased vanished. How peculiar. I was relieved to be without fear, but I still felt overtired even while asleep. I needed answers too. I got out of the car and looked toward the headlights in the distance. I estimated that I would have about 20 dream minutes before it caught up to me and jolted me awake in the middle of traffic again. Without a moment's hesitation, I headed off into the desert scenery, hoping to find a solution. I didn't know if it would harbor one, but I was running out of options. My hunt for answers would be on foot, and stopping the car seemed to render it immobile. As I walked, I saw rock formations in the distance. One in particular caught my eye. And an opening carved into its side. Upon reaching it, I stepped inside, noticing a flicker from within. There was a small fire illuminating the stone dwelling. There was also a person sitting on a wooden stool. I say person, but it wasn't really. It had skeletal legs and hands and wore a purplish cloak, hiding all of its other features. Not even the fire could light up its face, almost as if it didn't have one. Before I could examine the being any further, it looked up at me and spoke. It's about time. I didn't even have time to respond. I awoke in the middle of oncoming cars on the highway. How marvelous. I must have run out of time. I violently turned the wheel, narrowly avoiding a collision. With a new sense of motivation, I drove home again. I knew that whatever that thing was in the desert, it must have had the answers that I so desired. I reached my house once again, tired but focused. I went in, undressed, put my things away, and went to bed. Much like before, I fell asleep in an instant. My dreamscape remained unchanged.
thinking more clearly now, I took a sharp turn to the right and drove off into the desert. I reached the rock formation much faster than before. I got out of the car in haste and walked into the stone's light, and arriving at the same spot I stood in before, I saw a familiar scene. A fire in the cloaked figure. Now was the time to get answers. It's about time, he repeated. Who are you? I asked bluntly. I'm an apparition of the mind and a warning of things to come. A warning of things to come? I asked in confusion. Yes, you're vulnerable. The issue at hand must be confronted, otherwise you will cease to exist. Cease to exist? Confront an issue? Isn't that what I'm doing right now? I demanded specificity. Not in here. Out there. I didn't have the will to argue with it. Fatigue and exhaustion were taking over and I knew the truck was getting closer. My time was running out. You must. Your brain is at fault. Look within. A solution can be found. I didn't say anything. I just looked at the creature in defeat, unable to comprehend its meaning. You're very sick. Face this sickness and reveal its cure. I awoke once again in oncoming traffic. I swerved automatically, relying on my muscle memory to do so, for I was preoccupied with my own thoughts. The creature's words stuck with me, especially brain and sickness. My dream was trying to tell me something, but I was just so tired. What was I to do? In an unfortunate moment of clarity, the puzzle pieces clicked into place. Without a second thought, I sped to my destination. I wasn't going home this time. I was going to my doctor's office. I peeled into the parking lot with so much ferocity that I scared a few people walking out of his office. I opened my car door and jumped out without even thinking to take my keys out of the ignition. I ran into the building and up into his office, swinging his door open, startling the hell out of him and his staff. I didn't care. It was imperative that I spoke with him right then and there. It's my brain, I yelled. What? What are you talking about? He asked, clearly looking angry that I barged in without so much as notifying him first. It's my brain. You need to look at my brain. I was told at this point that I collapsed in the middle of his office, though I can't remember doing so. My doctor rushed me to the nearest hospital and with my words in mind asked them to order a CAT scan after the usual tests were administered. After doing so, it was revealed that I was suffering from a rare condition, one that caused my brain to overheat sporadically without cause. It naturally overheats when sleep-deprived, but mine was doing so even when I slept. This explained why I was always tired. I needed sleep to combat the overheating, but the condition rendered it futile. My brain was unknowingly heating itself to death. It's been a few months now, and I've responded well to ongoing treatment. I feel refreshed every time I wake up in the morning. My sleep is void of nightmares. It would seem that my brain was trying to tell me something all along through my dreams. Maybe I was being chased in the beginning, not by something tangible, but by death itself. 
perhaps the time loop I was stuck in was part of the dream all along. The result of a mind on the verge of breaking. Who knows? Either way, one thing is certain. Whether molded by a higher power watching over me or simply the product of intense coincidence, my nightmares saved my life. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed tonight's stories. I did. I thought they were both really, really good. I think I enjoyed the first one a little bit more, but that's just because I, I love a good monster story. And um, dreams and sleep don't get to me as much as monsters and things like that. The second story did make me want to ask you all an interesting question. I personally have never dealt with reoccurring nightmares, or really nightmares that often. Um, but I'm wondering if you all have, and if you feel comfortable doing so, share what that nightmare is in the comment section down below. I'd love to hear it. I think it's an interesting phenomenon, because it's kind of weird how the brain can produce this same nightmare over and over again. It's really, really interesting. So... Let me know down in the comment section below if you've ever had any experiences with that, what it was like, and maybe what you did to prevent it or try and stop it. Let me know down in the comment section below. Until next time, stay safe out there. Thank you.